that walk, that walk, that walk. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Keep rolling, rolling. This is Walk and Roll Live. This is Walk and Roll Live. A podcast dedicated to the disabled community, sharing stories of courage and triumph, joy and discovery, and everyday successes and challenges. Now, here are your hosts, Doug Vincent and Eric Aguilar. Hello, and welcome to Walk and Roll Live. I'm Doug Vincent, along with Eric Aguilar. How you doing, What's Eric? Up, How y'all doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. Good, good, good. So you uh, you survived the Fourth of July weekend. We're just coming oh. off that weekend. Oh, it was awesome. There was a lot of good food to eat. But one of my favorite parts of the entire thing was that there was a block party. It was like a carnival for the neighborhood. There was this donkey machine where you throw the ball. And if you hit the target, the person falls in the uh, machine. And what, and what happened was my fiance, um, she happened to climb in the machine. And then I saw her in the machine. I'm like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. <laughs> it took me a couple of tries. And I was like, oops. And down goes in my, my, my fiance into the water. And then there was this other cool thing called the um, axe throwing. They're plastic axes where you throw it and you try to hit the target. I was going like this, holding the two axes in both hands, like an X formation. Yeah. And then um, I threw them, and then I hit the, the middle part every 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 single shot. But I was trying to ask myself back there, you know, is it all on the wrist or is it a matter of technique? Right. I'll never know. Yeah, you, oh, you didn't figure it out? Uh, so you had guys at a block party and you had a dunk machine at it? Oh, yeah. That sounds like a pretty cool party. And then there was this big old uh, water slide right in front of my yard. And I'm like, what the heck is that thing? Jeez. And I'm like, oh, yeah, the block party. So um, fireworks as well, right? Mm-hmm. Fireworks are great and everything. But the way the pricings are these days, even if it's only once a year, it's really not worth it. For the fireworks or going to a show? Well, for, well, for the fireworks itself. Fireworks, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. You know, and, and of course, you know, wherever they have legal ones, they're they're pretty weak anyway, right? The yeah. ones you can get, yeah. Unless you get the others, you get illegal ones. We we went to uh, Ukaipa, me and some friends at uh, Ukaipa High School in California. They uh, they had a show there, really good show, really nice, uh, big finale. And then I come home, you know, and I'm I'm coming down the freeway uh, back through, you know, San Bernardino and and uh, Fontana and Rialto. And it just everywhere you look, you know, I was seeing the same things that I'd seen at the organized show at the high school, you know, the, the ones that the city puts on. It's like, wow, people are lighting these things off from the yard, I guess. And they're, they're yeah, bursting the other, in the air. One of the other pros and cons about 4th of July is traffic. I mean, if you're going to go to a destination for 4th of July, I would highly suggest that, that, they, that people travel at least two days before the event just yeah. to beat the traffic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was it wasn't too bad yesterday though, going out to Ukaipa. And and today, glad you survived the weekend. But today, got another very special guest. We've got a friend of mine that I, I worked with at the radio station uh for years. Uh and man, she's she's had some some tough times. Uh so we're gonna, you know, hear about, you know, kind of her ups and downs. Uh, she diagnosed with cancer. Uh, then after she beat that, then she was diagnosed with MS and kind of how, uh, that impacted her life, you know, as you can imagine. So, and she's a, and we'll learn when we talk to her, but a very private person, you know, just one of those people that doesn't lay everything out there all the time, you know, unless you ask and, you know, then, she, then she's pretty forthcoming, you know, especially if you're a friend of hers. Um, so this is 
this is going to be one of the first times that she's ever really talked about this in in a you know open kind of forum like this. So uh, she's a little nervous, but we'll take good care of her and uh, we'll take a little quick break here in the Agyar Professional Training Studio and be right back to talk with our friend Leslie. Time for a cup of coffee, folks. Agyar Professional Training offers comprehensive organizational development and organizational effectiveness services for corporations, nonprofits, educational institutions, and individuals. What they do is improve work environments in key areas, such as performance management gaps, group interactions, morale and trust building, and team dynamics, to name just a few. Using a strength-based approach in conjunction with individual or group coaching, all of the strategies have produced significant results. APT also assists with managing change, improving work processes, training, and management of human capital. Learn more at agyarprofessionaltraining.com. A-G-U-I-A-R professionaltraining.com. Seeking walk that wow wow walk that wow wow walk that walk that walk that wow wow walk that wow wow walk that wow Welcome back to Walk and Roll Live. I am Doug Vincent with my co-host, Eric Aguilar. How you doing, Eric? How you doing, folks? I'm Eric Aguilar. I hope you all had a real good 4th of July. And let me tell you, I'm still stuffed from all the food yesterday. Lots of food? You got all your fingers and toes, all that? Oh, yes. Yeah, good, good. They were some of the best uh, red chicken enchiladas and ceviche you could ever eat. Uh, Did you have some of that for breakfast, too? Oh, yeah, it's some of the leftover uh, red chicken enchiladas. Because let me tell you, not, not a whole lot of people even these days make them the old-fashioned way. Very good. Well, you're going to have to bring those to the next uh, podcast. Bring us oh, a sample. I could, try. I could try. All right. All right. That's all I can ask. Well, today we have a guest that, uh, like a lot of our guests on Rock and Roll Live, is uh, a guest uh, or a friend of the show or a friend of mine or a friend of Eric. So, I want to introduce to you, uh, Leslie Huter. Yep, Huter. You did it. You got, I got it right. It right. Oh, very nice. Hey, very nice. Well, nice to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it for sure. Leslie and I used to work together at the radio station. And when did you start at the radio station? So how long ago? 10, 15 years? I'm thinking ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. At least. Yeah. Do you remember when we first met? Um. At one of the remotes, right? Right, right. Yep. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's. I don't know why. It's just so vivid to me. It was uh, in Temecula, and it was there was an old house that they had restored. I don't know if that's why we were there or not. Was it, but, a, was it a beauty salon? No, no. It was. Oh. I don't think so. It was. It, there's an old historic house that I think they had. I, I can't remember the history behind it, but they had moved it to the site, and then they had made uh, they had landscaped it and turned it in. It's. It was some kind of a. A destination, you know, like a tourist stop. Okay. Yeah, but it was very nice. Yeah, that was the first time I I met her, and we just we just hit it off. Yeah, we know, didn't so, play. we yeah. didn't get to work in the same building like no. on a regular, but we always got to work together on outside radio. Yeah, remote, so. a lot was- of stuff down in the Temecula area of California. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, I, as I got to know Leslie, um, and, you know, and, and we'll want to hear a little bit more about your, your story, but I, I know as I, I met her very quickly, you know, I realized is it a go-getter uh, epitome of a hard working woman, you know, and 
And and the more I got to know her as 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 many conversations that we've had and long conversations about a lot of things, she's a very private person. So I, I knew she was going through things and she she would share a little bit, but not a whole lot, you know. So uh, I was, you know, very pleased when she said she would come on and, and share her story. You know, as we've talked about here on Walk and Roll Live a few times, you know, there's there's people that come to disability later in life and there's others that either are born with it or have, you know, diseases or something that cause it or injuries that cause it early in life. And so it's kind of all they they've known, you know, Eric and I fall into that category. So, you know, I, I want to make sure this was a space that we could talk to all the different kind of facets of disability. Uh, we're going to talk a lot to individuals and I, I, I want it to be more heavy in that, but, you know, we'll also talk about, uh, you know, some of the the causes of disability and the organizations that are helping to fight those and all of that. So uh, very, very honored that you would come on and, and share your story, just knowing that, uh, you know, you don't share it with a lot of people. So and, and I would imagine and, and you could tell us as we're uh, talking, some of that is probably part of your process in in healing or dealing with it on a day to day basis, because this is something it's life-changing for you. This is a, you know, it's like a new person from that diagnosis going forward, right? 100%, 100%. So yes, I mean, I feel honored that you guys asked me to come on as a guest. Um, And it's, I want, I always want to do whatever I can if I'm experiencing something. And even if I'm not to help others, um, in any way that I can. Um, but yes, the selfish part of me too is, yeah, this is definitely going to help me because I am very private and I do keep a lot of things, you know, close to my chest. And, um, this is just, uh, it's, it's, it has, yeah, it's, it hasn't been an easy road just to go out there and just share my story and, you know, tell people about it because yeah. I'm still trying to figure it out and I'm still trying to process things. And that's another thing that I, you know, in, in doing this podcast and coming up with the idea for it was, uh, I, I, that's what I hope for, you know, that's going to be, to me, that's a great day when we can, you know, have these conversations and, and it can help somebody that's listening and it could also help the person who we're interviewing in whatever they're going through you know because we all have our our challenges and 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 all of that so let's learn a little bit about leslie and where where were you from uh all right well i was born in uh, houston texas uh that's where my family's from both my Mm -hmm. mom and my dad's side um so I was born out there. My dad was, my family was living in California at the time. My mom was pregnant. And then um, my dad was transferred out and got asked to do a job with NASA. Mm -hmm. So they relocated to Houston. And then, so that's where I was born. Um, But summers were spent back in uh, Dallas and Fort Worth area because that's Irving area. That's where my parents grew up and that's where their family was. So, um, okay. but I still consider myself a SoCal girl because we relocated back to California when I was really young. So that's where I went to school and, you know. So uh, were your folks originally Californians? No, they no. were originally, no, they were both Origin- born and raised in Texas. Texas. Yeah, my dad went to Texas A&M. 
Um, he did his master's degree out at UCLA in California, but so they were kind of transplants in California, but yeah. the majority, like I was born in, well, I was born in Houston, but I was still, I still consider myself SoCal because we moved back out here when I was still really young before I even started kindergarten. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very yeah. young. So really before your memories even started, yes. right? Yeah. So, yeah. I have memories of just visiting like summers yeah. out in Texas and that hellacious <laughs> Which is going on now, I hear, right? Awesome. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and now, before we actually went live, um, you were saying that it's like the index of 120. Is that typical or is this a particularly bad year? I think they're going through a heat wave right now. Yeah. Um, so heat waves, yes, I think it is pretty normal. It's more along like the southern part of Texas, not in the northern part, which is where Dallas and, you know, Fort Worth are. Mm -hmm. um, but my son recently relocated, you know, Eris, um, to the Houston area. So he's definitely dealing with pretty severe heat out there right now. Yeah. 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 But he's young. He can handle it. So, and then, uh, so grew, grew up in California. Yep. And uh, now, you know, I, I met you when you came to radio. So what did you do before? What was the, the life before radio? You were, you were in the sales department. Uh, yeah, I've always been in, um, I've always been in the sales customer service. Um, you know, prior to that, um, I was working actually as a patient advocate for a doctor's office. Um, you know, insurance claims that were denied, I would just help the patients fight with the insurance company to get you know, things covered. Um, the majority of the patients that I were, was dealing with were, you know, older, um, maybe on Medicare, you know, different things like that. Uh, maybe didn't have family members to help navigate um, how to get things done. And they can't just be slapped with a bill, especially, yeah. you know, the patients that were on fixed incomes. Um, so that's what I was doing before. Um, really in all honesty, what led me to the radio station is I was a single mom. I was a single mom, you know, since my son was seven and he was getting ready to, you know, I, I had to figure out how am I going to get this kid through college? How am I going to, you know, get him through and not have him come out on the other end, just strapped with debt. Yeah. And, um, I love K frog, love country music. And I saw that they were hiring and I just thought that was kind of like my gateway, my road to, to get into sales and to just be able to make as much money, you know, um, as I could. Like, as, as long as I was willing to work hard, then, you know, the outcome was going to was going to be there for me to be able to get my son through college. So absolutely. Yeah, and it was a great journey. Work. I loved working at the radio station. I met a lot of great people, you included. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise. Ab absolutely. You're, you're probably uh, one of the handful of people that I've continued to, you know, speak with and, and, you know, still visit and that yeah. kind of thing. So, so then um, we'll, we'll get to your, your journey. I, I know a few things. And again, you know, you didn't get, you know, deeply into these things, but I just remember, I, I know you had a, a, a severe accident. I did uh, car accident, right? Yep. Yep. In 2009 was hit by a drunk driver, um, broke L, um, one through four in my back. Um, 
So did some pretty extensive uh, rehab to kind of retrain my, you know, my legs and um, my son was in the car with me. So, you know, went through that. Um, but, you know, obviously I ended up, you know, getting through that. I had a lot of great support and doctors, physical therapists and things like that. So, um, but yeah, that was definitely, uh, that was, that was not a fun time. Uh, give you an idea how tough Leslie is. I remember, uh, during that rehab, I think you may have still been wearing like a back brace or something. And, yeah. and uh, stagecoach came along and, <laughs> and and she wanted to go to stagecoach. And I had been one other time and, and you know, it wasn't my cup of tea, but she said she wanted to go. And I said, all right, I'll go along with you. And, and she went through all of that at stagecoach while she was in that healing process. Yeah. He's yeah. A tough, tough bird. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And then cancer struck. Yep. Um, had my, um, you know, dealings with, with that. Um, and I went through all of that while I was working at the radio station and there may be people that listen to your podcast now that, you know, had no idea. Like I didn't, you know, and like, if someone asked, I wouldn't lie. Um, but it was not anything that I just would openly discuss. I mean, I went through my treatments, I took, um, vacation time. Um, I did things so that I could have a long weekend, uh, to recover. Um, I never went on medical leave. Um, I just, I just really felt like that's kind of what kept me going, you know, um, just, and I mean, I had a, a wonderful boss and, um, obviously he knew what I was going through and was very supportive and was always willing to, um, help me out, um, to do whatever it is that he felt like I needed, or I, you know, you know, would kind of, there were days when he would kind of force me to shut it down and, yeah. and go yeah. home. Um, I can understand but, that. Yeah. But working was really what, what, what kept me going, yeah. you know, it's what helped the most. You know, it, it's, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, you were very fortunate in that you had, you know, a boss that would, would accommodate you like that. Yes. And, yes. and even though it's, it's, it's a part of ADA and it, they have to make accommodations for you, you know, okay. you didn't have to fight for it. Exactly. But, the, but there are people that, you know, aren't as fortunate to have that kind of, situation and they have to fight for it. And that's, that's one of the guests that we've got kind of planned to come on from disability rights, California, that's going to talk all about accommodations and, you know, what, uh, what employers are responsible for and, you know, yeah. those kinds of things. So we'll be talking with that. And see, I'm sure for yourself with the medical background that you had and being an advocate for patients, you were, you know, you were a good advocate for yourself. So that worked out well for you. And other people don't have that background and they need help like that. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so we'll be talking about that. So, um, so cancer free today. Yep. Yeah. All good. 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 Yep, good. All good. So then the next whammy. <laughs> so about that. I, I'm glad you could laugh and smile now. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Where do you start? Exactly. Yeah. People think I should write a book. Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah. 
So, so you got it. Well, tell us, first of all, I'll say that you, you were diagnosed with MS. Yes. Right. So what was um, like some early indications that, you know, something was amiss here? Um, I, I started looking back. Um, I know what the symptoms were. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest, um, I think, symptoms that I had was what they call now what my neurologist and what I know it to be is drop foot. Um, and I have just weakness on my right side. And so I would notice it getting into my car, you know, you sit down in your car and you kind of lift your feet up to get them in. And my right shoe would always hit the door frame and I would get so frustrated. I'm like, what is come on? Yeah. And so, but I, because I had the car accident and because I broke my low, my, my lower back and mm-hmm. I, the doctors, I didn't have surgery with that. The doctors felt like it would do more harm than good. I kind of felt like this is a residual of my car accident, um, working out work, you know, running on the treadmill when I couldn't run outside. Um, I would notice my right foot kind of sometimes scraping to the point where it's like, I'm probably not going to run on the treadmill anymore because I don't want to face plant. Um, so it's probably not a safe thing, but I, I still kept working out and I was going to see my chiropractor. Um, so nothing like really that stood out, nothing, um, like I hear other people's stories where, you know, they're in such a state of, uh, symptoms that they're actually hospitalized. So I didn't have anything like that. I had two bouts where I got up from a seated position. Um, and I lit, I felt like the room was spinning. Like I literally had to just kind of drop to the floor, sit down, uh, cause I didn't want to fall over yeah. and it happened twice. And I remember going to see my chiropractor just to go, you know, get my regular maintenance, you know, adjustment or whatever. And I told him about it. And normally I wouldn't say thing. I wouldn't say anything. Like I never really shared with anything with anyone what was going on. I just thought it was just kind of a freak thing. And I shared it with him and I asked him, I'm like, is that normal? And he's like, he just kind of laughed and shook his head. And he's like, no, that's not normal. And he's like, you should really schedule an appointment with a neurologist and get just, just get checked out. And I was like, to me at the time, I'm like, that seems kind of extreme, like a neurologist, but I was like, okay, so I did. And I think within the first five to 10 minutes in the neurologist's office, he knew exactly what he was dealing with. And he really? ran, yeah, he ran a battery of tests to rule things out. Um, but basically ran an MRI from my brain all the way down to my, you know, lower back. And um, that's kind of where it started. So looking back now, I look at symptoms and things that I was dealing with and I'm like, yep. Um, but at the time I was, n- I never was never expecting a diagnosis like this yeah. ever, ever, ever. So what are your initial thoughts? I mean, how was that? I, I'm sure again, our listeners can relate to a lot of this stuff in probably situations they've been through. Yeah. I mean, what's your initial thoughts? You kind of go through that denial and anger and all of those things. Yeah. Um, I mean, I went through, I got the, I got the MRIs. Um, I got the phone call from the doctor, you know, that token phone call where 
it's like, well, you need to come back in to see the doctor, not like, oh, everything's fine. You know, just go on about your day type of thing. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay. And the doctor set me, sat me down and a great neurologist, like I said, he, I think he knew within the first five minutes of speaking with me that what I was dealing with, but his bedside manner was absolutely awful. So he oh. said, it was awful. Yeah. But he sat me down and he had my, the, you know, like my scans on the computer and he left them there for a minute after he kind of just blurted out, you know, you have multiple sclerosis and, you know, the scans and see these things on the scans. And then he got up and he walked out of the room for a minute and then came back in and then kind of tried to explain things. He wasn't, uh, he, his specialty was not MS and he did not feel comfortable taking my case. So he spent a very short amount of time with me and then wrote me a referral to go see someone that, you know, worked more with people with multiple sclerosis, but I didn't even know what it was. Like the very first thing when he said it, I asked him, so does this have something to do with my car accident? Like, I mean, can I, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he just, kind of chuckled a little bit and shook his head and he's like, no, he's like, it's an autoimmune disease, a neurological disease. Um, you know, but I don't really handle those cases. I'm going to refer you out to someone else. And so it was a lot of research on my own because there was a, probably a four week period before I got to see the other doctor to really get answers and figure out what my course of action was that I kind of had to research things on my own. And with that, I think at the time I was like, this is kind of, you know, this isn't the best scenario, but it also gave me an opportunity to go into my next appointment with a lot of questions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So would you recommend that for people, you know, whatever maybe diagnosis they come up with or. I don't know. It kind of depends on, um, you know, sometimes searching things on the web can be a little scary. Yeah. Sometimes they go worst case scenario when it could be Usually, fairly benign. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah. So I had vertigo I, and I went and researched vertigo and immediately it's like possible brain tumor. <laughs> and the more yeah. I read, I found that that was unlikely, but yeah, you're right. They go. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it kind of depends. I don't know that I would necessarily, um, you know, suggest it. What I would yeah. suggest is you kind of touched on it before is you have to be an advocate for yourself. Yeah. You know, you just absolutely have to be, you cannot rely 100% on your doctors or the healthcare system or anything. You have to work with them, but you have to advocate for yourself. Yeah. I mean, to the point of getting a second opinion, if you need that. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing I mean, wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, I originally, he, referred me to a doctor up in Loma Linda and I had just private insurance at the time I was, we were, my husband and I were self-employed. So I didn't have um, insurance from a corporation. And just a few days before my appointment, they said, we don't take your insurance. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I mean, it's not an HMO, it's a PPO. And they're like, we don't accept your insurance in because you don't work for a large corporation, you're self-employed. They accepted my insurance, but only if it came from like KFROG or something. Mm -hmm. So I had to find a neurologist on my own and everything in the long run ended up, you know, working out beautifully because 
my doctor's in Orange County, so it's a bit of a drive, but I absolutely love him. Good. He is, he definitely, he is, he is a doctor that will definitely advocate for his patients and he listens. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, everything ended up working out, but at the time it was, um, it was rough. It was rough. Um, watching my family's reaction because I think yeah. they knew more than I knew. So here I am kind of trying to navigate in the dark and it's like, they're the outsiders looking in and they're like, Oh my gosh. Like, so that was really different. That was really hard. It was really hard to watch, you know, to, to talk to my son about it, to watch his reaction. Um, my husband is a rock. He's solid. Um, what, you know, just has been from day one, but then my dad, you know, I'm the youngest. And so watching my dad's reaction, even to this day, it's very difficult. It's really hard, you know? Yeah. I know my, uh, my daughter was also diagnosed with autoimmune dis, uh, disease at 28, um, uh, diabetes. You know, and I was asking her the other day if she would come on, you know, and 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 be a guest here. So hopefully she will and tell her story because it's, you know, and that so that touches me. You know, I, I can imagine what it's like for your dad. You know, the, yeah, because you know, yeah, as a dad watching yeah. your child go through that. It doesn't matter. As forty nine when I was diagnosed, but to my dad, you know, um, he still remembers me as like you know. The little curly-headed, you know, kindergarten girl. Curly, yeah, so and, and the woman that you've grown up into, and he knows what a, a hard charger you are. Yeah. You know, well, I'm I take sure. a lot after my dad in that respect. I mean, my mm-hmm. dad's the same way. My dad just, you know, I mean, my dad is super, super tough. And yeah. so, but I can't even imagine, um, like you, I couldn't imagine having that kind of news, you know, a diagnosis for my son like that. I, I yeah. just, I don't know what I would do. Yeah. Well, you know, and I have to say this because she'll call me on it if I don't type one diabetes. Okay. You know? Yeah. And which was, you know, a part of the devastation for her because she's a gal that, uh, you know, she's running marathons and she did everything right. You know, she was eating right. And, you know, she, she, she researches everything. And, you know, for a while she had gone full ver- vegan, you know, and so she's very um, particular about what she puts in her body. And, and so, that was the only time I saw her break down, you know, really was, you know, I did everything right, dad, you know, yeah. because there was just a moment, like literally an hour or so when she got the diagnosis that they thought, you know, obviously she's 28 because usually you're, it's either you're born with it or with type one, you know, right. So it's very rare that it would happen like that. So then they found out it was type one, but yeah, she's, she wants people to know that it's not type two. Yeah. No, I mean, I can totally relate to that too. Um, being so frustrated that you look back on your life and you're like, I didn't even get to have fun doing the bad stuff because (laughs) I was always so concerned about doing the right stuff. You know, it's like, I never, it's so much easier to turn away from something or, um, you know, decline when you know that you can do it versus you absolutely cannot do it. And now all of a sudden it's just like, you're declining because you absolutely cannot. And that's a really tough spot. So I can definitely relate to your daughter's feelings and stuff. And and that's something that I still, I mean, I still have like anger um, about it. It, It's, it's a rough spot to be in. 
So what, so what was that like at the very beginning? I mean, what are some of the things that, you know, you really struggled with? Um, I, you know, I have a very aggressive form of MS. So mm-hmm. in the beginning, um, even though I had this diagnosis and I had these symptoms, um, I thought, okay, well, you know, I'm still working out. I'm, I'm still doing the things that I was doing the day before I was diagnosed. Um, staring kind of down this, this barrel of the gun, if you will, thinking like, you know, my doctor's telling me like the things that I should be looking for, maybe the things that could happen as time has gone on, you know, now it's, I'm going on, you know, five years that I'll be, you know, my five years this October. Um, and things definitely have progressed. And so, you know, I mean, I do everything that I can do every day. Um, I still am able to work out, but I'm not able to work out like I worked out before. Um, so saying kind of, you know, saying goodbye to those parts of your life, it's been, it, I, you know, it's just, that's been a really difficult struggle for me. You know, um, we were talking about, you know, before being out of the workforce, um, you know, kind of, you know, being forced to take an early retirement, um, in so many ways, it's such a blessing, but at the time it was like, wait, what? You know, I mean, I I did. I mean, I I really had like a good cry. It's kind of with this diagnosis, I've kind of had to go through the, you know, like the five stages of grief, you know, just saying goodbye to certain parts of who I was before and trying to navigate this. I don't want to say like a new person, but it kind of almost is. Sure, sure. Yeah. A A new version of you. Yeah. And sometimes in coming, you know, the way that I look at it, it's not a great version, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's not the worst, but it's not a great version. So it's been, it's definitely a tough, it's a tough road to navigate, you know? Well, you know, I think everybody goes through a version of this, everybody, because you, as you age, you know, you're not able to do the things, you know, but a diagnosis like this kind of accelerates all of that. Right. Yeah, 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 for sure. And, and I, you know, I'm glad you're sharing this because I think so many people go through that. You know, we we live in a culture. People say, "How you doing?" and everybody says, "Fine." Yep. But you know that every person you ask that could spend an hour probably telling you all about all of these things. So we don't have an opportunity to to really share this with with others. So right. again, I, I, you know, I, I, I hope that's something that can help people here in this format, you know? So, you know, that's why I I think people listening to your story, they, they can relate if they've been through anything, even similar to it, even if it's not your exact same, you know, diagnosis, you have those moments when you just, you fall apart and then you, you're ready to go back out there and put on that brave face. Right. Yeah. It's tough too, especially with, um, you know, with, diseases or chronic illnesses or whatever it is, disabilities where when someone just looks at you, you don't look sick. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't look um, you know, I mean, I, I'm not in a wheelchair, you know. Um so and there and I still do have the use of my legs. I do have walking aids that 
there are times that I need to use them. Um, but it's not every day. And so it's, it's, it's tough to try to explain things to people when all they do is look at you and they just think, well, you don't look sick. Like, well, things can't be that bad. And, you know, just a quick little, you know, side story. When I first was diagnosed with this, my neurologist, like I said, great doctor would refer him to anybody. Absolutely love him. Um, you know, he wrote me a prescription or like, I don't really know what it's called. And maybe you could, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of like a, a script for a, um, placard for for a handicap placard. And, um, I kind of looked at him and I was kind of insulted. I was like, I don't need that. Like, and he was like, just take it and use it. If you need it, if you don't need it, don't use it, you know? And I'll never forget the very first time I used it, I was by myself and I was having a really rough day and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to use it. And I was at Sprouts up in Temecula. Let me tell you, Leslie, I was very uh, moved by your story. I mean, as I was listening to it, I see a lot of myself in it. There was a lot of uh, similarities, you know, 50-50 down the middle. Like um, before, I was also a very private um, person until I started to open up about my disability and not a whole lot of people knew my backstory, even about my disability before until it was revealed. And even though I'm very well known now, I still consider myself a lone wolf. And I know how hard it is to say goodbye to one thing and transition to the next. And yeah. every now and then I look at my old high school photos and I say, man, dude, you're a, you were a swinger. But now look at you. But then I say it with a smile. <laughs> and then I say this out of uh, humor every day. I was like, man. I wish my fiance fell in love with the old Eric, not the old Eric. (laughs) But even today, you know, I still behave like a teenager and like a lot of people with the disabilities, I still try like heck, even if it hurts or could possibly, you know, finish me off forever and ever. And I always say, hey, if you go out, go out in a blaze of glory. And there's two questions I've been wanting to ask you too, like, um, do you still have difficulties getting in and out of the cars? I do. I have a little device that I used that I used from time to time when I had difficulties. It's called a car cane. Okay. The silver part, it goes in the middle uh, ring where the door opens on the inside. You put it in the and then you grab onto the handle like so. It has a non-slip grip. And then this button here has like a flashlight. And then at the end of the handle it's got like a little seatbelt cutter and this uh big uh metal uh, thingy that you see here it actually acts as a window glass breaker to help you get out if you were in an accident i got oh, wow. this at the cvs uh, years ago it was 10 bucks at the time but i bet dollars to donuts that amazon still sells stuff like this <laughs> or you can probably find it anywhere in the store nice. I, have one of those. Car- car I have one of those that doesn't have a flashlight though that's pretty cool that's super cool <laughs> yeah yeah, it gives yeah. you an, a handle as you're getting out of the car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, you know, you could, you said something yeah. too that is huh? so true. You made the comment about feeling like a lone wolf, and you do. I mean, there are days when you just feel so. For me, I don't want to speak to anyone else, but it's like you feel sometimes like you're the only one dealing with it, and you can yeah. feel so isolated and so alone. Um, so, and I'm sure you guys both do. I'm so thankful for the support system that I have. Um, but even with that, some, there are times when I'm just like that you, you just, you know, it's just, it's rough emotionally 
as well yeah. as, you know, the physical disabilities are one thing, but emotionally it can be such an incredible drain. Probably harder than the physical. I one think of the so things sometimes. that keeps me uh, going every day is my fiance who has autism and she inspires me every day. And I always think to myself, you know, no matter how hard or tough it is physically or emotionally, I shake my head and I smile. I look at her. I'm like, she needs me. I cannot give up. Yeah. Good for you. That's awesome. So have you reached out, Leslie, to like the MS Society or anything for any information or support? Or um, You know, I have uh, I do the MS walks. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really, I guess, reached that part of my journey yet. It's yeah. still um, this is probably the biggest thing that I've done as far as reaching out, if you will, um, sharing it. Um, so no, I haven't, I do have, um, like I get an online MS journal, uh, daily. And so I get to see any clinical trials that are coming up or new medications or, you know, what the medication that I'm on, you know, I mean, it's kind of scary when you realize that they're still in clinical trials with the medication that I'm taking, even though it was approved by the FDA, you know, so, um, I do things like that on my own as far as, you know, reaching out or, you know, I, I'm just not there right now. And it's not that I would, I wouldn't, or I couldn't benefit from it for me emotionally right now. I'm it's, it's still just hard for me. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's still just hard. So I want you to wake up in the morning and tell yourself, yes, I can. Yes, I can. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I do some, I do have like stickies on my bathroom mirror, like, you know, just motivational quotes and things like that. Affirmations. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's good regardless. You know, I think it's beneficial for anyone, but yeah, for, for sure. So I I need an extra umph and kick in the ass though, Eric, I'm going to call you. I'm going to be like, tell me I can tell me I can do it today. And let me tell you, when I have to blow off some steam, I put on the gloves and hit the bag until I'm completely content. That's awesome. Now, I'm sure that was uh, before you got your diagnosis and even more now, maybe working out is probably a way that you, it helps you deal with some of that, right? Um, it definitely does. Um, but with that too comes its challenges because there's things that yeah. I used to be able to do in the gym that I can't do. And so you know, it's, it's, it's really tough when it's just, when there's just a constant reminder of what's happening and, and what you're going through and what you're dealing with, because there's times that you just don't ever get a break, Yeah, yeah. you know? And I, I think that, um, you mentioned the cancer, you know, going through the cancer and dealing with that diagnosis, obviously that was a tremendous blow you know, I mean, that was, I thought was going to be the hardest thing that I ever had to get through, you know? Um, but, and I'm not, and again, I don't speak for anyone else or, you know, I just speak for myself. Um, when you're dealt with that type of, for me, when I was, when I had to deal with that, I could see the light at the end of the tunnel with cancer, because you get this, you're at this fork in the road and it's going to go one of two ways, right? you're going to be cancer free or the doctor's going to say, unfortunately, this isn't working. And then you have to take that road. And yeah. I'm blessed that I am cancer free. 
Um, And I had someone once tell me that had no idea that I had been through a cancer diagnosis and what I had been through with that, but told me with my MS, well, at least it's not a death sentence like cancer. It's just a life sentence. And I'm not quite sure who would ever think that that would settle and like resonate (laughs) okay with someone, but it did not with me. And of course I just, you know, took it for what it was and, you know, Oh yeah, of course, you know, yeah, whatever. But, um, so it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, with, like I said, I mean, for me right now that it's been almost five years, but I'm still not at a point where I feel like I can, I still haven't found that light at the end of the tunnel, if you will. Yeah. And, you know, and, I'm not, and I don't know how to navigate. I don't know how to get there. And when I heard that you were doing this podcast, that was one of the things that I was so excited about for you. I think this is a space that people need to learn more and, and people need to, to know that there is a space that they can go to and, you know, listen to other people's stories and, you know, maybe be a guest on your show and, you know, know that it's okay. And, and to try to help them navigate and know that, you know, I don't know, I'm getting all, you know, <laughs> right now, I, but it's, it's just, I, I'm, I'm just so glad and blessed. And I, I'm just so happy that you started this podcast because I oh, think it's just thank really you. important. Yeah. I think it's really it is important. a very wonderful place. I mean, I'm having fun being his co-pilot. It takes me back to my uh, talk show and talent show days because when I was 19, I started out doing a uh, talent shows and then later on, became one of the talkers on this uh, talk show for teenagers and then ended up becoming the host entirely and then left for a season and came back as a guest speaker and then just came back all together. I mean, uh, you know what they tell, what, what they always tell you, once you try to leave, they always try to pull you back in. <laughs> yeah. I had no but idea you know, I was getting all this too. When I asked him, there was, this was all just, you know, this was all gravy, you know? Yeah. I just knew I was getting a great guy. My, uh, had a great personality and all that. My father-in-law-to-be, he's been diagnosed uh, with the Parkinson, and like you, he's starting to come into his own. And I tell him every day, no matter what happens, you're always going to be Bruce to us. Nothing's ever yeah. going to change, just like yeah. you, Leslie. Yeah. I appreciate that, for sure. You know, a couple and things. Has, I know that the, the windows that have closed, new doors are going to always open. And that that's so see. true. And that is so yeah. true. Yeah, I, I want to reiterate, because we've said this a couple times, and I – and I want to continue to reiterate it. You know, we're, as we do this, we're just a couple of guys that, you know, have, have struggled or flourished, you know, at different times with our own conditions, diseases, chronic illnesses, all that. And so we're in by no means any kind of professionals, you know, these are just our opinions and, and we just have provided this platform for people to tell their story. Um, we have resources on our website, you know, if you want actual professional help and we try to add to it all the time, there's new people that I put on the resource page all the time at walkandrolllive.com. Uh, but, you know, we're just we're just kind of facilitating telling the stories. And and when you when you talk about, um, you know, you're having those those bad days, or is there someone in particular? I, I imagine it's probably your husband, but is there anybody else that you kind of draw strength from and inspires you and gets you back on you know more positive path um i mean i would probably say um my husband and my son my husband because he is just such a 
like I said, I mean, I can't say enough about him. Um, and he's just, he's very, you know, he's always so positive and always so supportive and just, it just doesn't matter. It's just, you, I, you truly feel that unconditional love coming from him. Um, and then my son, because my son has known me, you know, obviously his entire life. And so I pull, I can pull strength from him because he reminds me of the person that I was before. And like Eric said, the person really that you still are today, you still are the same person. You still have all the same, you know, you're the, you know, you have the same character, the same values, the same morals and things like that. And yes, there are things that are different in your life. So, you know, those, those definitely those, those two people are like the top two people that I go to. Um, and then, and honestly, Doug, there's still a lot of people in my life that know very little about what I deal with on a daily from MS. They know that I have MS, um, but they don't, they don't really know. So there's a lot of people that I, you know, not that I can't reach out to, but that I don't because it's just too much to try to explain. I I think that's the reason when people ask how you're doing, that's why most of us say fine, because, you know, people really, you know, unless they're in that real inner circle around every person that they're, they're, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to get into it. You know, they're right. Like, why are you telling me all this stuff? You know, yeah. <laughs> they're like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. So many times these are, you know, very private kind of battles and yeah. just for those select few around you. So, yeah. you know, again, I think that's why this can be important for both sides of this. You know, we talked about it earlier for the, people that are listening and the people that are telling their stories, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, this is, I get permission now to kind of let my guard down and, yeah. you know, and talk about some of the struggles. Yeah. I go through. yeah. And I think it's important for the people that listen, maybe that aren't even affected by anything, but maybe mm-hmm. are in more of a caretaker role, Yeah. you know, to maybe help give them a little bit of insight on really maybe how someone or the person that they're caring for or a family member or a close friend is kind of going through. I mean, to kind of have that insight too is, whereas not just to feel sorry for someone, because that was always something that I never wanted. I never wanted anyone to feel sorry for me. I never wanted anyone to treat me differently. Um, And I think initially when you have someone that you care about or you love, that's kind of the initial feeling you you get. You just want to, you know, kind of make sure that they're okay and, you know, baby them, if you will. But yeah. the person that's going through it, at least for me, that's the last thing that I want. Yeah. Unless you ask for it. Unless you ask for it. Yeah. You know, I need, yeah. I need a little extra love today or something, but for the most part, yeah, you, you just want to go and, and be that, that person, like you say, like you were, you're, you're a go-getter, you know, yeah. you can't all of a sudden turn that off. I, I've known so many guys that have had spinal cord injuries who, you know, and they, they did it because they were rock climbing or something and fell or, you know, whatever their, their kind of extreme sport was. Well, that all of a sudden doesn't go away. That part of their no. personality, you know, yeah. so you, you find those guys playing wheelchair rugby and, you know, racing and hand cycles and all those things. Cause yeah, they still, that's part of their personality to do those yep. things. Mm-hmm. True. 
right? Eric's an there's athlete. Even, there's even wheelchair boxers. I didn't mm. believe it at first either, but even though those guys are in chairs, those dudes are built like mastodons, and their punches hit hard. Hard. <laughs> I've seen that. Yeah, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't seen it. So, um, what um, what have you learned about yourself? Do you feel like you there was something you didn't know about yourself that going through this you you learned? Um, that I'm stronger than I thought I was. Yeah. 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 I think, I think on a daily people go through stuff all the time, right? Like you said, Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone's got a battle that they're fighting. Yes. And I think that we're constantly, you know, evolving and learning and you make it through something, you make it out on the other side and you're like, okay, yeah, I didn't really think that I could. Um, but I think that um, I, I think that's probably where I am right now. Like that's kind of my takeaway is that even, you know, with other things that I've been through, I, I, I think that I'm definitely stronger than, than I thought that I was. Yeah. And I hope I continue to, you know, find that out about myself. Yeah. It, life's not easy. You know, it's, no. it's definitely not. Mm-mm. As I, you know, I always tell people, you know, and I'm sure you've heard this before too, you know, growing old, you know, ain't for sissies. It's not for sissies. <laughs> no. Nope. And although so. life can, can isn't easy at times, you always got to say yes when life tells you no. Yeah, 100%, yeah. right? Yeah. You can't just lay down and, and stop. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. So what's your, uh, any big plans for the future? Big plans for the future. Um, I mean... For me personally, yeah. Um, I mean, things that uh, you, you know, now that you have this diagnosis and you might have some some limitations, but things you still want to do. Um, honestly, I think after joining you on this podcast, mm-hmm. probably to be a little bit, you know, to have a little bit more of a voice and to be a little bit more. Um, step into the space of advocacy a little bit more. You know, I mean, I follow, that's, I think that's the great thing. Like you said, we're just a couple of guys, you know, using this platform to reach people. And that's the, that's like such a great thing. It's such a great opportunity. And I follow a lot of people um, on social media and I have so much admiration for them that they're just out there telling their story on a daily basis. And, um, I, and that's something that I thought that I wanted to do when I was first diagnosed, but I realized like, I just, I didn't have it in me at the time. And I'm yeah. not saying that I still, maybe I still do or don't. Yeah. 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 But, um, I would certainly like to, Yeah, you know, I, w- I would certainly like to. So. And, and I can see where you would be reserved. You know, like I say, as long as I've known you, I kind of knew about some of these things, but didn't know, you know, and I feel like when we talk, there's nothing that's off the table, you know, over the years, yeah. you know, so it's not like, I, I hope, hope I'm not, you know, but I don't feel like I'm one of those many, many, many people that you don't get into it too, because no. you know, we share very easily. And so, so that indicates how private you are, you know, is where right. my, my point is. So, you know, it, it would be a big leap for you to, you know, suddenly get into that space, you know, in social media and start divulging, you know, all of these things that would be 
almost out of character for you, but it would, yeah. it would that would so, definitely be a, a different side of me yeah. for sure. Yeah. You know, and like I mentioned before, and you weren't afraid to ask questions. You mm-hmm. weren't afraid to engage. Yeah. And so, and if, as long as someone was willing to do that, um, I was 100% open. I've always been open with you yep. and, and shared, you know, what I could and, you know, all those things. And if someone just didn't ask or didn't know, not at any fault of their own or whatever, um, yeah. it just didn't come up. It's not like sitting at a table, you know, or going up to K-Frog to the main office for a meeting and I'm just going to sit there and start talking about it. No, <laughs> it's yeah. not going to happen, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, I would like to kind of step into that, that space a little bit more. Cause I do think that it is important for people to. I know my, my daughter, she started a separate um, Instagram account when she got, when she got diabetes and it was, it was, it grew very quickly. First of all, yeah. the, the page, it, but she was looking for information at that point. Right. So very quickly, she went from somebody who was on her own page getting advice about, you know, this whole whole new thing that she had to deal with. You know, suddenly, you know, in, in addition to being, you know, a, a person and a, and, a, and a worker and a co-worker and a family member and all those things. Now she had to be 100 percent of the time my pancreas you know, and taking right. care of her body. She had to know, yeah. you know. And yeah. there were so many things that affected it, you know, being a, somebody that works out all the time, you know, she would quickly kind of notice that that can change your sugar levels, just exercising. Yeah. And, you know, one time she would eat a food and it would do this, but the next time eating that same food would do something entirely different. And right. you know, why did it do that? You know, so she would use that community that she had started, you know, for it to get information, you know, what right. do you do? What do you do when you travel? You know, how do you, you know, take all the things that you need with you and what, right. do you, you know, and, and yeah. so, so like watching that, I could kind of see the transition from where she was the person seeking advice. And as time went by, she was the person because she's, I mean, if anybody was meant to handle something like this, it was her. She's, she just has that way about it. She's like, right. it's like, it's almost like she's taken on a science project, you know, and she, <laughs> And so, right. and, and because of her personality, she's going to do it better than anybody's ever done it. Right. <laughs> you know? wow, so that, that's just her. So, you know, by the end of it, then she's being, she's able to give advice. So maybe something like that might work for you too, where you learn more and then you, you can help other people more individually than, right. you know, on a big platform. So just right. spitball in so here. Many, yeah. And I mean, there's so many things that you don't think about, like you said, travel. How do you travel with that? How do you yeah. make sure you have for her, I mean, it's those little nuances that can be, you know, a difficult challenge to get over or, you know, another little hurdle that people just don't think about, yeah. you know, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with, I think more people need to do things like you guys are doing, you know, really to like have a dialogue and open up that talk track and let people know that there are people out there that you know, maybe not are suffering, but that are dealing with things that. Yeah. They have experienced it and they can help somebody else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there may be questions that, you know, still, you don't even know to ask, you know, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And being a part of that community could help. Yeah, absolutely. Or, 
or any one of these communities. Yeah. All right. Anything that you want to share that we haven't asked you? Um, no, I think we've covered quite a bit today. <laughs> yeah. for, for somebody who doesn't share a lot of it, we've exactly. done pretty good. huh? Exactly. Good. Yeah. The, the only, the one thing that I, again, would want to just reiterate and to anyone that's listening is just advocate for yourself. You know, I mean, if it's the one time that you need to put yourself first and be a little bit selfish, um, fight for whatever it is that you need to have done for you, um, advocate for yourself. Um, cause it's really the only, I, I mean, I think having that, um, per, I have that personality, you know, I have it if, you know, for family members, for friends, being a patient advocate, um, prior to going to the radio station. Um, so I kind of already knew how to navigate things like that, but I could see where if you don't, you're just gonna, there's so many people out there. There's so many things. And the one thing that we do have to remember on the flip side as a patient is we're not the doctor's only patient, you know, Mm -hmm. they have multiple patients, but if you don't advocate for yourself, you could very easily slip through the cracks. You know, this is, I've said this for a while and I, this is my own, again, my own thought. And, but I, I remind myself, like you say, we're not the only patient for a doctor. And this is something that they do every day and may have done it for, you know, years and decades. Yeah. So relate that to your job, whatever your job is, you know, at the listener, you know, if you, you know, if you work at the supermarket and you're a checker and you're just checking lettuce going by and, you know, a roast and, and potatoes and, you know, skincare product, whatever it is, is going by. You, you don't even think about it after years and years of doing that. You know, you're just moving these items. Yep. Unfortunately, sometimes that's what it's like, I think, in the medical field. You know, the doctor that you encountered, you know, who didn't seem to have a great bedside manner. You know, he's somehow along the way had kind of forgotten. Hopefully he had more compassion at some point. But I think at some point over the years, it just, you know, he just goes to, you've got MS, you've got MS, you've got MS yeah. on a daily, you know, with other diseases. So you kind of lost sight of the fact that he's telling that to a human being. Yeah. Well, yeah. And telling maybe he just assumed and that was, I don't know that he did, but maybe he assumed yeah. that I knew what MS was when he's really talking to a patient and just kind of throwing that on someone's lap when they don't even, I've, they, I've, I never encountered anyone with multiple sclerosis. Mm -hmm. I don't have, you know, it's not hereditary. I don't have anyone in the family with it. So I literally, as silly as it sounds, I literally had no idea what it was. I didn't know what I was dealing with. And so for him just to say, yep, this is what you got. Here's, you know, here's a referral to, to the next doctor. Good luck with your life. Bye. See you later. (laughs) Wait, you're not going to give me 15 minutes of your time. Like, you know, and, and I think the flip side of that too, as a patient, like you said, maybe doctors have been doing this for years and decades. Um, I am a firm believer that as, as much respect as I have for the doctors that are in my life, I have to realize that they're only human too. And they don't know everything. They really don't. And they may not know what's good for one person may not be right for you. It's Mm -hmm. not a cookie cutter situation, whether it's 
diabetes or multiple sclerosis or anything, everyone's different. And nobody knows your body and what you can and can't do better than you. Yeah. We we just need to say that again, if you would. Uh, Nobody (laughs) knows what part, like nobody knows you better than you. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that I think doctors should take that into consideration a little bit more. Yeah. Agreed. You kind of answered uh, the the one other question I wanted to ask. and, And what do you do on a day that, you know, maybe you need a little extra self care, you know, what's that look like? Um, I, you know what, I'm finally to the point where I'm asking for it. Yeah. You know, it's like my doctor, my neurologist told me probably three years ago, um, to be kind to myself, like just be kind to yourself because I was kind of getting to the point where working out was a little bit, you know, more of a struggle. And he looks at me and he's like, look, you know, you've had this like great life. You've had all this time, you know, but like you said, the natural process of getting older will, you know, hinder you from doing things. So just be kind to your body, just be kind to yourself. And I didn't really, as silly as it sounds, it's like, what does that even mean? I was going to say, you probably didn't even understand what he was saying. I didn't even understand. I'm like, what does that mean? Like slow down, like I've always gone at 150 miles per hour. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what that looks like for me. So, um, you know, asking for help and it's a tough, it's a tough, you have to learn it. You have to learn how to ask for help when you need it. Um, And again, like we talked about before, you know, having the boss that I had at at, um, KFROG, it was very um, comforting to me just to know in the back of my mind that if I needed something, it was there. Like all I had to do was ask. Um, but it's, it's a difficult, but I didn't want to ask, you know, I mean, it's a difficult space to, to try to navigate for me to try to navigate through. So right now, a little bit of self-care for me is just asking for help and knowing that if I just need to relax all day and, really not do anything give yourself that's permission yeah. Yeah. yeah because it's hard i know how that I is because um when i um have too much stuff coming up in one time i gotta slam on the brakes give me like a few minutes and when i'm ready to go again i i hit the gas and, and i and i get going i yeah. know in my heart even that i'm not gonna be as strong or perform like how i did when i was in my 20s and that's okay i'm still gonna keep doing everything that i'm able to do best i can even when i'm older I mean, just because you change all the time, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean, you know, stop doing everything you love. You know, you can still do it, but you may have to do it in a different way. Right. I want to be like you when I grow up. (laughs) You and me both. You and me both. (laughs) I kind of say the same thing to people, but then I look at them and look at me and I say, oh, no, you don't. And I say that (laughs) out of good humor. (laughs) You just have such a good um, I mean. You just have such a good outlook and positivity. It's awesome. There's been some uh, crazy shenanigans where I'm in the zone and I can feel the adrenaline taking over. And then my fiance looks at me like, honey, could you slow it down a little bit? And then there are other times where I'm like, oh, geez, what happened? And she's like, honey bear, you thought you were the rock. (laughs) Honey bear. I love that. (laughs) That's cute. Well, thank you for allowing us to, 
delve into your, your life for a little bit. I appreciate that very much. No, thank you. Like I said, thank you. I'm honored. And we, uh, just so we can try to grow this thing and reach as many people, you know, we uh, encourage you and, and beg you and all of that to tell everybody, you know, share, like, and all those good things. Of course. All right. Of course. So, so this will be on uh, a little bit later this afternoon and on our website earlier than that. Awesome. Thank you, Leslie. No, thank you. Stay in so touch. Nice. Yeah, of thank course. You, Leslie. Okay. It was nice meeting you. Hey dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can. But it's just as important to take time for yourself. AARP can help. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Walk and Roll Live. I'm Eric Gigler with my colleague, Doug Vincent. Hey, how you doing? All right, uh, time to wrap things up. Thanks once again uh, to Leslie for coming on and, and being just really an open book and just being so forthcoming. And uh, there were no questions off the table as we went into it, she told me. So we asked them all, as many as I knew about. So um, hopefully you found that informative and inspiring and you know it'll help you in whatever journey you're going through even if it's not ms if you can relate it to another journey right eric right because let me tell you ain't the destination it's all about the journey it's all about the journey exactly the the destination can be very brief the journey is much longer right oh so yeah. so you've got a couple of more disaster preparedness training sessions coming up august yes, 17th and november Folks, 16th we have a we have a lecture coming up um, August 17th on communications during emergency and for the last of the season, we have recovery of resources after a disaster, which is the final phase, but hopefully um, we'll, we'll have another season in the works because I'm having a fun time teaching. Excellent. Excellent. And that's through uh, possibilities at Loma Linda University yes, Health, sir. right? So you can go to the website. I think it's still on our website, the link and get you right to it at walkandrolllive.com. And as you kind of heard while we were talking to Leslie, there's a few ideas that we've got for shows that are coming up. Uh, and there's, uh, you know, uh, many more than that on the list, but there's room for more. So if you have any show ideas or comments, well, you know, we'll give you a happy birthday, whatever you want to share with us. Uh, or, or, well, you know, you tell us. You can uh, send it to warlive at walkandrolllive.com, or you can go to the website. And there's a, a contact form on there. You can get a hold of us and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to share and like and all that good stuff. We're, we're on bended knee asking you to, to share this so we can grow this. You know, we have ulterior motives. Uh, want to grow this show so everybody gets to know Eric. <laughs> right? And my co-host, Doug. Yeah, very good. Very good. So uh, thank you once again from the Aguiar Professional Training Studio. Uh, for Eric Aguilar, I'm Doug Vincent. And that's the whole enchilada, folks. We'll see you later. Walk and Roll Live is heard around the world at walkandrolllive.com, Podbean, and Spotify. 
Like us at Facebook.com slash Walk and Roll Live. You can email us at war live at walkandrolllive.com with comments, observations, or whatever's on your mind. Whatever's on your mind. Have a topic you'd like to hear or a guest you think would be great for the show? Let us know. Look for new episodes every Tuesday afternoon. Thanks for listening. Thank you.